Just like the giant Goliath that David had to face, each one of us has a giant in our lives that can get the best of us. Today, we continue our focus on the giant hurt and pain. This message is the third in the series, Gigantic. The message is entitled, A Giant Called Pain, Part 3. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Amen. Grab your Bibles, if you will, and your teaching sheets as we turn our attention to God's Word. This morning, involved in a series of messages entitled Gigantic, I want to continue to talk to us this weekend about how to deal with a giant called pain in our lives. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, a great story that most of us are familiar with is the story of David and Goliath and how actually David came on the battlefield of Israel when Israel was facing this enemy called the Philistines, the nemesis of Israel. And in this particular battle, there was one giant named Goliath that was withstanding the army of Israel, challenging someone to come and fight him. And no one in Israel's army wanted to fight Goliath. And finally, when David comes on the scene, David really was not even a soldier at that point in time. He was simply a messenger boy for his father, bringing some food there to the battlefield. But David realizes that someone needs to step up and fight Goliath, and he does so. And we have the story of that great victory that transpires. As I was thinking about the story recently, obviously there are lots of different things that the story of David and Goliath relate to us, uh, stories and principles for life. But one of those things is that all of us at times in life face giants. Giants not externally, but giants internally. Things that are inside of us that get in the way of us being all that we want to be. Things that paralyze us from moving forward in our spiritual journey. Things that paralyze us from moving forward in our relationships. Things that hold us back. Giants that loom over our lives. And these giants go by a lot of different names. Sometimes it's fear, sometimes it's anxiety and worry, sometimes it's anger, sometimes it's other things that we could maybe put our finger on and say, you know, that's the very thing that keeps me from being the person that I really want to be. And one of those things that we've been looking at that's really a giant in most of our lives at some point and in some way is something called soul pain, the pain that we have on the inside of us. Your soul, your heart, is the inner part of your being. It's who God made you to be inside. And as we go through life, sometimes we experience hurts and pains on the inside. We call it having a broken heart or being hurt inside. And many times we carry within us these hurts and pains, these broken places internally that maybe nobody else in the world knows about or very few people know about. And we try to traverse our way through life, but we're always sort of stumbling over our pain. It's always sort of like a giant in front of us. We never seem to quite get past. And it really holds us back from being all that God really desires for us to be. And so in this month of March, we've been talking about this giant called soul pain. And so far in this series, I've shared with you some things that are necessary if you and I are going to overcome the giant called soul pain. The first thing we have to do is we have to name our pain. We have to know what it is that we're dealing with. And we talked a bit about the pain of abandonment, the pain of rejection that we experience in life. We talked about the pain of abuse, that sometimes we go through abusive situations and that can scar us and hurt us deeply on the inside, the kind of horrible things that happen in our interactions with those around us hurting us deeply on the inside. We talked about the pain of disappointment, that sometimes in life you're just simply disappointed by things. You expected life to turn out one way and it seems to be turning out another way and you're trying to process that inside and you're just wondering why has life happened to me this way and it hurts. It's kind of hard to deal with. And all of us have this stuff going on in us that we have to learn how to deal with the right way. And so you have to put a name on it. 
And then you have to admit its impact. We talked last weekend about how you and I can come to the place of acknowledging what our pain is doing to us. And I talked to you quite a bit about how you need to get angry with your pain in a good way to say, you know what, I'm ready to do something about this. See, David stepped up and said, is there not a cause? There's a reason to go after this Goliath. And I hope that you felt challenged last weekend to rise up and go against the pain in your life and to say, you know what, I'm not going to let this thing continue to limit me. I'm going after it. Now I want to bring you today to the third thing that is necessary. If you and I are going to conquer this giant called soul pain, the third thing that is necessary is you and I must ask for help. And that's the phrase I'd like for you to write down today. You, must, you and I must ask for help. To defeat the giant called pain in our life, we all need help. Think about David when he was on the battlefield with Goliath. David could not conquer Goliath by himself. He needed help. He needed the help of God. In fact, when he goes against Goliath, he says, God is going to give you into my hands. He realizes that he can't do it by himself. His slingshot and his five stones are not going to do the work. He needed the power of God to overcome that giant. And the same is true for you and me. Now, let's talk a little bit about help for a moment. What is help? Well, help basically is this. Though perhaps the best word to define help is assistance. It's what you receive something that you're given that will allow you to do something that otherwise you couldn't do. So you're in a situation and you need help. That means you can't do what you need to do without the assistance, without someone giving to you some resource, something that will allow you to do what you couldn't do by yourself. And all of us have had moments like that before. Maybe you had a time in your life where you were sick or maybe you had hurt yourself in some way. You needed to get to the doctor or to the hospital. You needed someone to help you get there. All of us, have, perhaps if you're a driver, have had the experience of getting stuck somewhere, maybe in the snow or the mud somewhere, and you couldn't get the car out. You needed a tow truck or someone to come along and do for you what you couldn't do by yourself. And so all the different, different scenarios of help we can play through our minds, but it all has one thing in common that you're able then to do something that otherwise you couldn't do because of some assistance that was brought to bear upon your circumstance. Now, when we talk about receiving help in our lives, there is an obstacle, interestingly enough, but it's very true for all of us, there's an obstacle that gets in the way of us receiving help, and that's oftentimes we're not willing to ask for it. And the reason that we're not willing to ask for it is because of the human condition called pride. I can do it myself. Eventually, I will get myself out. Perhaps you've had that moment in your life when your car is stuck in the mud or stuck in the snow, and you decided, I am going to get this thing out. I'm not, I don't need any help. I can do this. And you found out that over time, what occurred is you got yourself into a worse mess than you were, you, you were in the beginning. Why? Because yet you didn't acknowledge your need. And so you kept working on your problem and actually made your problem worse because you were not willing to ask for help along the way. And so the reason that we don't ask for help, this pride thing, is, is difficult to overcome because it's an acknowledgement of insufficiency. It's an acknowledgement of humility. It is an acknowledgement of saying, you know, I can't really handle this by myself. And there are many, many people who never get the help that they need in their spiritual journey. They never get the help that they need for their soul pain, uh, for the stuff they're carrying around inside of them because they never say, I need help. I want you to say those words with me. I need help. Now, those are tough words to say. In fact, some of you were not very convincing when you just said that. Why don't we try it again? I need help. 
See, our tendency is to say, you need help. And to point our finger at somebody else and say, you know what, I can acknowledge that other people need help. It's just myself I wonder about. I'm not, I don't really need any help. I can do this by myself. But the reality is that you and I can't do what we need to do by ourselves. We need help. I need help. We all need help to conquer the giant called pain. Now, when you acknowledge, once you've gotten past, first of all, your denial of the problem and gotten past the pride issue in terms of being willing to ask for help, then there's something else you have to understand about help. Not just anybody can help you. So you have to qualify where you're going to get your help from, right? Because actually, you can get yourself in more trouble if you ask the wrong person for help. Because if they don't know what they're doing, if they don't know how to help you in the way necessary, then even though you've overcome the pride and said, I need help, now you've asked the wrong person and now they're leading you down a pathway that will not be helpful potentially for your life at all. And so you have to qualify the people or the person that's going to help you with a need in your life. And so I'm going to share with you for a few moments five things very quickly here and then we'll go to the latter part of today's message where I want to spend most of my time. I want to share with you five qualifications of a great helper. How do you know how to find somebody that can really help you deal with the pain in your life? And the first thing that's necessary is you need to find someone that's willing to help you. You can't get helps from someone until you know they're willing to actually help you, that they actually have a heart to help you. And it's even better if they've communicated to you, you know, if you ever get in trouble, call me, I'm willing to help you. Maybe you have a friend like that that they've told you, you know, whatever happens in your life, if you ever need me, call me. And there's that resource that you know they're willing to do something for you. And so willingness is essential. Now, when it comes to soul pain, there's a second thing that's important in terms of finding the right kind of helper. They also need to be willing to listen. Not just willing to help, but willing to listen. See, the pain that we have on the inside can't be conquered It can't be cured without it first being heard. There's something about pain on the inside that you have to get it out, right? And until you get it out, you're never going to be able to find healing for it. And to get it out, the only way you get the pain on the inside out, you've got to talk about it. You've got to get it out of your system by communicating it. Now, if you have a helper that says, I'm willing to help you, and then you go to them for help, and all they do is talk, and they never listen to you, then guess what? You're not getting much help for your life at all. So you need someone that has the capacity, the willingness to listen and understand, especially your pain. And so a good helper, number one, is willing to help you, and number two, they're willing to what else? Listen. They're going to listen to what's going on in your life. Number three, they're capable of helping you. You can have someone that's willing, you can have someone that even listens, but they're still not capable. They don't have the skill set that's necessary to do what needs to be done in your life. And there's nothing worse than going to someone that you've, you, you kind of think, well, they're willing to help me and they're listening to me and you share your story with them and they have no idea of how to help you. In fact, you pour out all your pain to them and their response is, yeah, that really is bad. Okay. That's horrible. I'm glad I'm not in that situation with my life. I don't know what you're going to do. Now, you don't want to go to a helper like that because what you've done is you've now opened yourself up 
and you share with them what your pain is, and now you're sort of left with that pain because you'd have no, that, that the person that you're pouring your, your soul out to doesn't have the capacity to respond in a way that is helpful to you in the circumstance and in the situation you're facing. Here's a fourth thing that is essential. If you're going to find a great helper for your life, you have to find someone who is safe and trustworthy. When you risk opening up your pain and your hurt to another person, you need to know that when you do that, you're safe, right? That you can trust the person you're going to share it with because you're now very vulnerable. When you open up the most painful parts of your life and perhaps areas of your life that you've never really talked to anybody else about before, you can feel and you are very vulnerable. And if you're not careful, I'll tell you something, not everybody's safe to talk to. Not everybody is safe to open your heart to, and you have to be aware of whether they're safe or not. Why? Because they can actually take the pain and the vulnerability that you share, they can actually use that against you in a negative way. Instead of helping you, they can actually make it more painful for you in terms of dealing with things. And so you've got to make sure you find someone that is safe. Don't just, listen, don't just open yourself up to anybody. Be careful who you open yourself up to because you need to make sure they're safe and they're trustworthy. And then the last point I'll give you here in this section is to understand that the person that helps you needs to be truthful with you. They need to be truthful. We need to know that they're going to tell us the truth, not just what we want to hear. That after they have been willing and they're listening and you know that they're capable and you realize that they're safe and trustworthy, then the next thing is, are they truthful? Are they going to tell me the truth or are they going to tell me just what I want to hear? A lot of us think we want help, but when it comes, we really don't want it because what we want is we want what we want to hear instead of wanting truth. And only truth is what will help you in your life. Only truth is what will allow you to get where you need to be. The Bible says that you'll know the truth, and the truth is what will be your pathway to freedom, to liberation. Now, think about it with a doctor. When you go to a, to a doctor, would you prefer to have a doctor that just finds out what's going on with you but will not tell you the truth, will lie to you and say, oh, you're, you're fine. No problems, or would you prefer to have a doctor that says, you know what, I've discovered this particular disease or this particular condition, and here's what it is. I'm going to be truthful with you about it, and also I'm going to provide you a way or some kind of therapeutic response to it so that you can work your way past it and find healing. And so truth is essential. So think with me again. Here we are. We've got pain on the inside. How do we get past it? We have to name it. We talked the first week about naming it. We have to admit its impact, that it's really messing our lives up. We get, we get motivated to do something about it. And then what do we do? What's today? We ask for help. To ask for help, you've got to overcome your pride. Not only do you have to overcome your pride, but you also have to find the right kind of person that can help you. What is the right kind of person? They're willing they're willing to listen, they're capable, they're safe, and they're trustworthy, and they're also, what else was the key word there? They're truthful. Now, let me tell you, God is all these things. God is willing to help you. God is willing to listen to you. God is capable of helping you. God is safe and trustworthy. You are safe with God. You can trust whatever goes on in your life with God. And I will tell you something. God will always be truthful with you if you'll listen because God is nothing more than truth. He is the God of truth. He always tells you the truth if you're willing to listen. Now, let me take you to some scriptures that will help you to understand what I've just laid out for you here in these five characteristics as it relates to God. 
Psalm chapter 34, verse 18, the Lord is. It's about to tell us who the Lord is. What does he do? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So he says, God says, I want you to know something about me. I'm close to people who are brokenhearted. Psalm 147, verse 3, he heals. Not only is he close to, but he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Isaiah 53, verse 3, speaking of the ministry of Jesus, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. The Bible says that God knows, Jesus knows what suffering is all about. He can identify with you and me in our pain and suffering because he's familiar with it. That means he knows what it feels like. Isaiah 53, verse 4, surely he, Jesus, took up our firm infirmities, and what else did he do? He carried our sorrows. So Jesus said, what I've done is I, I carried for you not just your sin, but I carried your sorrows to the cross so that there's now hope for your sorrows in the midst of your sorrow. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, the words of Jesus at the synagogue in Nazareth when he begins his earthly ministry, he announces what his mission is. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me. Notice this. Here's the mission of Jesus to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus said, here's why I came. I want to find those people who feel like they're in a prison in their life, and I came to give them freedom. I want to, I've come to those who feel like they're blinded by life's circumstances and pain and give them recovery. I came to find people who feel pressed down, oppressed by life and oppressed by their pain and problems and give them release. And I came to find people who feel disfavored and to bring favor upon their lives. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. So it's talking about Jesus. It's telling us about him here. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let me stop there. What is that saying? It's saying that Jesus feels with everything we feel. He's able to sympathize with you. If your pain has been the pain of abandonment and rejection, was Jesus abandoned abandoned and rejected? Of course he was. If your pain is the pain of some kind of abuse, was Jesus abused? Oh, you better believe he was abused. This whole week of passion that we look at coming toward the Good Friday celebration and the Easter Sunday, we see something of how Jesus was abused in his life in a horrible way. Was Jesus disappointed? Did he understand disappointment? You better believe that he did because here was Peter who was there at the time of his, his, his arrest and here was one that had walked with him for three, three and a half years that he was counting on. And what did Peter do in the moment when Jesus needed him the most? He denied him. He said, I don't know you. Here was Judas that had spent these three, three and a half years with him, and Judas betrays him. We talk about disappointment. What I want you to know today, dear ones, understand something about Jesus. Whatever you've experienced, he experienced. Whatever pain is you've gone through or are experiencing in your life, Jesus has experienced it as well. He can sympathize. He can empathize with what's going on with you. Now, because of that, notice verse 16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to, what's the next word? 
Help. What are we talking about here? Help. Ask for help. We may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so I want to encourage you today to be convinced that God can and God will help you. That in your pain, God can and God will help you. In fact, would you say with me, God can and God will help me. Say it together. God can and God will help me. See, it's again easy for us to say, yes, God will do it for somebody else. But I want you to know that he will do it for you. In a personal way, would you say it again with me? God can and God will help me. What a powerful statement to understand from the truth of God's word. Now, based upon this, because God has said, this is who I am. I'm willing, willing to listen, I'm capable, I'm safe and trustworthy, I'm truthful, I'm all these things God says, I'm available to you, I can and will help you. What should be our response to that? We should simply go and ask him for help, shouldn't we? If he said this about himself, if he has offered us the invitation, if he said, I'm your friend, when you get in trouble, call on me. When you get into a situation where you need me, I'll be there for you. I'll help you. Our response should be when we recognize our pain, we name it, and we see the impact it's having upon us, our response should be what? I'm going to ask him for the help he has promised to give to me. Now, this asking is important, it's essential for your healing. Without asking, you're not going to experience the healing. But there's a certain kind of asking that you and I need to do. Not every kind of ask works. There's a certain way that we ask God to help us that puts us in a position to receive. It's not that God is sort of up in heaven saying, if you don't say the right words, I'm not going to help you. No, it's whether we're in the right position to receive that help from God or not. And so let me share with you the bulk of today's message as we wrap up together this, this particular important installment in this series. Let me share with you six words or phrases that will help you to understand how to ask God to heal your soul pain. How do you go to God with soul pain, with the hurts on the inside, and effectively ask Him to heal you in a way that brings answers? I think that's a good thing to know. Don't you agree? The first thing you have to do with God is you have to go to God honestly when you ask Him. You have to be honest. You got to tell the truth with God. And it always amazes me how people try to fool God. They just don't, they're not truthful with God. It's like, God, you know, I'm, I'm going to hide something for you. You know, God knows it anyway. And so you and I have to come to God honestly just like we are. You can't be any different than you are right now, right? Who you are right now is who you are right now. And God knows who you are right now, and so the best thing you can do is own up to God and to yourself. This is who I am right now in the moment. This is where I'm hurting. This is what's going on in my life. I'm honest to God. I'm telling Him exactly where I am. Now, the psalmist was very good at doing this in his prayers. In fact, I could give you literally dozens of prayers from the psalmist of honesty before God. Let me give you one that's found in Psalm 88, the first four verses. I want you to listen to the honesty of the psalmist David. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. 
May my prayer come before you, turn your ear to my cry. And so he begins with sort of preamble, this, prep- this, this preparation of saying, God, I'm asking you now to hear what I'm about to say and to answer me because I'm crying out to you. Now he goes into the heart of his prayer, verses 3 and 4. I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. Now, David the psalmist is writing these words, and he says, God, I've got so much trouble in my life that I'm just overwhelmed with trouble. You ever felt that way before? Of course you have. He says, I, I, I'm drawing near to death. He says, I feel like I'm going to die. You ever been there before? I've got so much trouble going on in my life. I'm hurting so much on the inside that it seems like I'm just about to die with all this pain. I'm dying on the inside. He says, I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. Notice he says, I'm in a pit. That is, I'm in a bad, low place in life. And sometimes we get to those low places in life where it seems like you almost have to look up to see bottom. You're so far down. And David said, that's where I'm at, and I'm like one without strength. God, I don't even have any more strength to keep on going in my life at all. This is an honest prayer. Now, let me tell you why this is so significant, because David was a strong man. David was a man that many people looked up to. He was the king of Israel. People would have thought, well, that guy never has any problems. Let me tell you something. Anytime you look at somebody and say they never have any problems, check yourself, because everybody has problems. Everybody has problems and everybody has pain. And here was King David going through the stuff he was going through and nobody else perhaps would have known what he was going through, but he was honest with God. He was honest to God. And you and I, that's the beginning point for the healing in our lives, to come to God and say, God, right here is where I am. I am. Trouble is just overwhelming me. I'm overwhelmed with stuff right now, God. And it just feels like I'm dying on the inside. And God, it seems like I'm just living in a pit with my life. I have to look up to even see bottom. I'm so far down. And God, I just don't have any strength to keep going. And that put him in a place to receive from God. Why? Because he was honest. Number two, pray attentively. Not only honestly, but pray attentively. That is, pay attention when you're praying. In the book of Habakkuk, it's an interesting book because the prophet Habakkuk, one of the prophets of Israel, that prophesied during the time of, uh, of Judah's uh, potential exile into the Babylonian captivity, Habakkuk wonders why God and how God could use an evil nation like Babylon, that, was, that they were more evil than Israel was, how could God use Babylon to punish the, the people of Judah. And so he asks these questions. He has this whole first chapter that he's trying to deal with this, this stuff on the inside, these honest prayers that he's praying to God. And then he comes to chapter 2. And the first thing that happens in chapter 2 is a statement by Habakkuk after he's poured out his, his complaint, after he's poured out honestly his heart before God. Would you read together with me what his next prayer is? Chapter 2, verse 1. Here we go. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer. Habakkuk said, God, now that I've told you what's going on with me, would you give me your perspective? 
I'm going to tune my ear. I want to listen. I'm going to go up to my guard post. I'm going to wait and see what you will say. Let's put, put this in the realm of going to a, a physical doctor. You have a medical concern. You go to the doctor and they say, what hurts? Tell me your pain. And that's when it's important to be honest with what's going on physically with your body. And you tell the physician what's happening. But at some point in time, if you're going to get help, you have to shut up. You've got to stop talking about what hurts. You have to start listening. You have to start responding to questions that the doctor will ask you and listen for his input to the situation. And the same is true with God. You ask him, yes, first of all, honestly, but then attentively. Now, God, I'm in a position. I want to hear what you're trying to say to me about the stuff in my life. What's my diagnosis, God? What's really going on with me? And then thirdly, pray hopefully and expectantly. Come to God with some hope and with some expectation. Now, I've learned something in my life. I've learned that when you can't pray with faith, you can pray with hope. And sometimes when you start out prayers, there's not a lot of faith there, but you can pray with hope. You know what hope is? Hope says, you know what? I'm just going to grab hold to the thread that says maybe, perhaps tomorrow will be better. I'm going to grab hold to a a thread that says, you know what? I'm not sure, but I'm just going to Stick my hope out there and believe that, you know what, this chapter is pretty ugly in my life, but I'm just going to hope that there's another chapter coming. That's what hope is. Hope reaches out and says, you know what, I'm not going to settle for how it is right now. Can't see see how it's going to happen. I don't even know that I have the faith to say I believe it's going to happen right now, but I'm going to reach out with some hope and say, you know what, I'm hoping that it's going to happen. God, I'm praying with hope. I'm praying with some kind of expectation, and what I've learned in my life as well is if you start praying with hope and you keep praying with hope, before long you start praying with faith. Your hope turns into faith. Now, it's now not that I hope something is going to happen. You're able to say, God, I believe something is going to happen in my life. Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. I love this passage. Let me read this for you from the message paraphrase. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? Haven't you been attentive? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all. You can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything inside and out. That is, he knows you on the outside, but he also knows you on the inside. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to to the dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. Read verse 31 with me. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. What does God say? God says, if you'll hang in there and wait on me. Now, by the way, that word wait in the Hebrew language can also be translated hope. Those who hope in the Lord, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. That's where you find restoration beginning in your, ha- your life. So how do you pray? You pray honestly. How do you pray? You pray attentively. How do you pray? You pray with some hope, believing, you know what? I'm in trouble right now, but this is not the last chapter of my life. Amen? This is not the end of the story. And then you pray number four continually. Healing in your life. I'll give you a moment to write that down continually. And then if you'll look this way, I want you to hear this very important statement I'm going to make. Healing in your life, especially soul healing, is primarily a process more than an event. Okay? 
Now, for some of you, don't let that statement go over your head. It's a very important statement. Because we are very event-driven. I want to be healed, which means this. I want somebody to lay hands on me or something to happen in my life and like, zoop, it's done. Just give me the shot of glory right now and just bam, knock it out of me. Get rid of my pain, boom, like this. I want to tell you something about soul pain. It didn't happen in a moment and it doesn't go away in a moment. It works its way through your life through a process. God heals you progressively. I watch it in our congregation. I see some of you that I could call up here today to give testimonies if I so desired. And if I didn't feel like you'd get real mad at me if I did so. But you could tell your story of how when you first started, came to God and how you were in pain. And over the years that you're a better place now than you were when you first got started. But you have to keep on praying. You don't just pray one time. You keep praying continually your way through. Healing is a process involving continual prayer. Jesus said this in Luke 18 verse 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate. What did he want to illustrate? Their need for, what's the phrase there? What kind of prayer? Constant prayer. And to show them that they must. Notice this. Keep praying until the answer comes. Well, how long do I have to pray, Pastor? I don't know. You might have to pray a week. You might have to pray a month. You might have to pray a year. You may have to pray a decade. But what I can tell you this, keep on praying because as you're praying, things are happening. And you'll be able to at some point in time look back at your life, whether over the week or the month or the year or the decade and say, you know what? Thank God I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be either. My life is different. My life's been changed. The fifth word to write down. How do you pray your way out of soul pain? You pray corporately. Say that word with me, corporately. I'm going to explain this to you in just a moment. Write it down corporately. What I mean by this is you don't pray by yourself. You got to get some other trusted believers involved in your life. You need other people praying with you about your pain. Now, by the way, you need the right people praying with you about your pain. Remember I told you, some people aren't safe. Some people aren't trustworthy. I'm not just going to go and ask anybody to pray with me about my pain. I've got to find people that are believers, people that are, are mature enough to, to allow my pain to be a part of their prayer process as well. And Jesus is very clear about the power of corporate prayer. Notice uh, Matthew 18, 19 and 20. Again, I tell you that if two of you, let me stop there for a moment. This verse is about others. It's about you can't do this verse by yourself, Okay. Because two is more than one, right? Basic math. But if two of you, which means you can't do this verse by yourself, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, that's prayer, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, again, this can't be done by yourself, for whether two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Now, all of us understand that Jesus is with all of us, right? We, we have the presence of God with us, no question, individually, God lives with us. But there's a power that happens in your life and my life when we begin to connect with other believers in prayer. We invite them into our world and we step into their world. We begin to share their burdens and we share our burdens with one another. We truly become brothers and sisters in Christ and we're invited into a world of healing that comes from that. James 5 verse 16, therefore confess your sins 
to each other. Can't do this verse by yourself either. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What is that verse saying? If you get the right people in your life, you'll see some power with your prayers. Galatians 6, verses 1 through 3. I love this in the New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer, as one of your brothers or sisters in Christ, is overcome by some sin. Let me stop there for a moment. Overcome by some sin. That word for sin there can also be translated a fault, a weakness, overcome by something that slips up on them. They are overcome by something in their life. You who are godly should tell them how horrible they are and condemn them. Is that what it says? Your Bible doesn't say that? What does it say? You who are godly should do what? Gently. Everybody say gently. I tell you what, when I have a broken bone, I want to go to a gentle doctor. How about you, okay? Gently and what else? Humbly. That if somebody comes to you and they say, man, I'm hurting right now. I've I got this weakness going on in my life. I need some help. Your response ought to be a response of gentleness and humility. Help that person do what? Get back on the right track. It doesn't mean that you, you are affirming their sin. You're not saying, okay, no problem. Just live like that. God loves you anyway. No, you, you humbly and gently get them back on the right track. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. I love verse 3 in the New Living Translation. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Number six, how do you pray? How do you ask God to heal your soul pain? You pray submissively, submissively. You go to God honestly. You go to God attentively. You go to God, hopefully, there's some hope and expectation that God, my life, I believe I'm gonna grab hold of a a thread of hope. You go to God continually, you go to God corporately, but then you also go to God, what's that word again? Submissively. What does that mean? It means that you're willing and prepared to obey, okay? That, see, your healing doesn't happen unless you take the truth that is shared with you and you do something about it, right? That when God comes along and he says, this is what your problem is or this is what you need to do in your life to get this cured, if you and I don't follow up, nothing's going to happen. If you're not submitted to your doctor, you'll never get well, right? If the doctor tells you what your problem is and writes you a prescription and says, go take these pills three times a day for the next 10 days, and you say, I don't like that doctor. I'm just going to do it my way. Well, guess what? What you've done, you're not submissive. Submissiveness is proven by what you do. You can't say you're submissive. Submission is an action, isn't it, right? That's how you show that you're submitted by what you do. And so what the, what the Bible teaches us is it teaches us if we're going to have a prayer that is answered, healing that occurs in our life, we have to be willing and prepared to do the thing that God asks us. We've got to take the prescription, right? 
We can't pick and choose the prescription. We take the prescription. And by the way, the weekend after Easter, I'm going to talk to us about this, this whole area of how we actually let God heal us in, in a significant way as we respond just in simple obedience to him. I love the story of Jesus at the, uh, at the, at the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee and how he's, you know, they, they ran out of, of wine for the, for the wedding and, and, um, and, and Jesus says to the servants, go get the water pots. And you know, everybody remember that story? They bring the water pots and Jesus turns the water into wine. There's that story, okay? And in the midst of it, when the servants were about to go get the water jars, they're like thinking, why water? We don't need water, okay? We need wine. What, what's the water deal? And Jesus' mother steps up and says something very profound. Listen to what she said in verse number five, John chapter two. His mother said to the servants, read that phrase with me, do whatever he tells you. He says, hey, don't don't worry about it. If he says take this pill three times a day, go do it, okay? Do whatever he tells you. That is, respond submissively to God. And it's only when we are submitted and it's proven by our actions that there comes this point of restoration and healing in our lives. Now, you can put your notes up. We're done for our note-taking day, but we're going to bring this to a time of prayer together. Because in this series, I, I really do believe that God's been at work in a lot of our lives. Amen? He really has been. And we talked, as I said, about facing or naming your pain, putting a name on it. We talked about the importance of acknowledging its impact in your life. What's it, what is it doing to you and causing you to be a little angry about what your pain's doing to you so you'll be motivated to do something about it. And today we've talked about asking God for help. And so far in the series, as a part of this whole series, I've never prayed a specific prayer where, where, where I've encouraged you to ask God specifically for some healing in your life. But today we're going to do that. Today we're going to start a process in many of your lives where today you're going to start asking God, Lord, I'm asking you specifically to heal me of, and you put the title on it, you name it, but I believe that God's going to begin a process of healing. So I want to invite you, if you will, just to bow your heads with me, and we're going to have just a little bit of a ministry time here just for a moment, and I'm going to ask that everybody just remain still and quiet as we're wrapping up a very important time in today's uh, worship service together. And as I'm about to lead us in prayer in these next few moments, if you know that there's a specific area of pain that you have in your life, that you, a soul pain that you need healing from, your way today of saying to God, God, I'm asking this of you to heal me, is, is just to simply lift your hand to the Lord, your hands to God. Maybe you can just simply open up your palms right in front of you, and that's your symbol of saying, God, here I am. I'm presenting to you this pain in my life. So right where you are right now, Whatever that pain is, would you just open up your arms, your hands to God and say, God, here today, I'm ready to receive. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you because you're a God that cares about us. You're a God that can and will help us. You've invited us to come and ask you for healing in our lives. And Lord, in this worship center this morning and watching online today, there are many people who have gone through tremendous pains in their life. Sometimes it's the pain of rejection, abandonment, and the pains of abuse and disappointment. We've all gone through this kind of stuff. But for many of us, there's the residue of that pain still living inside of our lives today. And now we come before you and we ask you, Lord, for your healing grace. I pray, O oh God, today for those that are reaching up to you, that in this moment there would be a marked moment of a beginning of a process. Lord, that even weeks and 
months and years from now they will look back on and say, yes, it was that day in March 2013 when God began a healing process in my life. I pray for those that have no hope, God. They've gone through this for so very long. They've wondered, is there any hope for me to ever get out of this? I pray that right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, that you would infuse them with hope, O God. Lord, they may not be able to start praying with faith, but they can start praying with a hope, a belief that I'm just hoping that it's going to get better. I'm holding on to God. I'm waiting on Him. You promise that as we do, you'll renew our strength. You'll cause us to mount up and run and not be weary and walk and not faint. You'll meet us right where we are. So today we lift our pain before you. We trust you for healing. In Jesus' name. Well, perhaps as you've been watching today's broadcast, something's been happening inside of you. Maybe you felt a stirring in your heart, something that's reminded you that you need to get some things right in your life with God. The first way we start in that journey with God is to open our hearts to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of our life, to turn all of our life over to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. It's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Would you bow your head with me and pray this prayer? Say these words, say, Jesus, just acknowledge that He is Lord. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all of my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior, in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, I want to encourage you with the promise of God's Word that says when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there's salvation that's brought to our lives. He changes us on the inside, from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person's in Christ, he's a new creation. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you, you need to take some next steps. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word, to make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it, to spend some time each day in prayer. We have some resources available for you through our website. We'd love to provide those for you. Just let us know that you need those and we'll make sure that we get them into your hands. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.